A wild one in Starkville. The party continues in Starkville. It's a pleasant lad from Starkville. Greetings and welcome to Starkville. I'm Jason Stark. I write about baseball for The Athletic. As always, I'm joined by my good friend, writer, broadcaster, professor, distinguished former major leaguer, Doug Glanville. Doug. Yes. What's shaking this week? You know, the Cubs scored so many runs against the Pirates. I'm pretty sure you even scored four runs. Am I right? Uh, yeah, and they, they scored while I was making uh, breakfast somehow because <laughs> uh, they're just still going around the bases. Yeah. Unbelievable series. Yeah, they just scored seven more runs while I was introducing you. It was, <laughs> was madness. Uh, we, we've got so much fun stuff to talk about this week, Doug. Time travel, oh, yeah. tiebreaker yes, chaos. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we got a, I got a new Hall of Fame to honor the funniest people in, in baseball history. Uh, we'll explain all that shortly. But, Doug, something momentous happened over the weekend, pal. We just saw the last NFL football game ever played on a baseball diamond. <laughs> you, you, know, you know, it's funny. You never see a – It's sad. It's terrible. It's You never see a baseball game played with goalposts. But for, like, for years. <laughs> right? Like, for years – Football games have been played at places like Yankee Stadium, Candlestick Park, Wrigley Field, and all those ill-conceived multi-purpose stadiums from the 70s that you were forced to grow up watching baseball in. But now that is all over. Uh, the Raiders were the last team, and they, they, they've played their first two home games of the season, including Sunday. At the Coliseum, <laughs> atop the splendor of the A's infield dirt. <laughs> but after this, their their next home game's in London. They won't be back at the Coliseum until November. Uh, I'm hoping the World Series will be over by then. So that's going to be it, man. The, the end of an era that has allowed Mickey Mantle and like Pat Summerall to play <laughs> on the very same field. Doug... You're someone who has played on these fields. So so I want you to tell me, what are we losing now that Derek Carr and everyone else will never again be able to slide into second base while playing a football game? Well, we are losing uh, increased chance of injury. Uh, that is um, <laughs> something very special we need to commemorate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I go back. I, I grew up in Jersey, so Shea Stadium was where I saw a lot of games. And I went to Jets-Seahawks game, I remember, at Shea Stadium. And, you know, so these were, um, these were just part of the culture of growing up. And, and uh, yeah, and I also think of a minor league game for the Salem Pirates that had a telephone pole inside the field. That was really interesting <laughs> in left field. So Ooh, that's um, a so, different. So, it does get better, but uh, but I, you know my major league story was Phillies uh, playing at the Veteran Stadium. Some of those big '70s fields, they had these conversion times, and I I, I want to say it took like 17 hours or something to change <laughs> over. And right. there was once where there was a tight turnaround. I think they pushed our game back, and you know so the Eagles were playing, and then we kind of switched it up, and the dirt around the infield was horrible. Like they, they couldn't get it quite right because it was they rushed and they just like poured sand in there. So I remember sliding it to third 
and it was like sliding into like Bo Jackson. It was like a brick wall. And I felt I was short of the base. And then I had to like crawl to third to get to it. And I was like, whoa, I mean, stuck, like absolutely stick them into the ground. So, you know, so I don't think we're going to miss a whole lot. It's fun <laughs> to watch football players try to slide like baseball players. Uh, I know RG3 got hurt doing it. And so uh, it can be dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. But baseball players have absolutely no sympathy. No, I, like I, I actually remember at the vet watching them do this too, where like they, um, they would lower the mound underneath the field, right? Like they would just lower, raise it and lower it. I don't think they had to like pour the dirt, off, scrape it off or whatever. And then, then they used to have, uh, like they'd almost like have zipper. They could zipper the the turf over the infield dirt or something. I don't know how. Yeah, they had so yeah, like they had like overlays or something. Yeah, it was yeah. there was a ton of seams. Also, we was always always known for the seams on the field. So you had to watch that on ground balls or balls hitting because it kind of kicks or ricochet. So I mean, it was an adventure. <laughs> Goofy, <laughs> it was an absolute adventure. I know. Hey, if you ever thought about how much fun it would be to play baseball if they had goalposts out there, I mean, I I could see this. If you hit a fly ball to center, it goes through the uprights. We award three bonus runs. <laughs> right. Like it? Well, that was Enron. Enron Field was that, you know the the hill out there and <laughs> the alligator pit and whatever else they had going on. So yeah. All right, let's get going, man. For for those of you who are new to Starkville, now that we're available on iTunes and Spotify and everywhere podcasts are sold, here's how this works. We divide our podcast up into innings. We start every inning with a trivia question. You can find the first four innings pretty much everywhere, uh, all your favorite podcast platforms. But then we have bonus innings available on the Athletic app and the athletic website. Uh, we also throw in the update on our fabulous, stupid baseball bet, which we keep track of every week. So if you want to keep listening and get a 40% discount on a subscription to Ooh. The Athletic, you just have to click on the link where you found us in the first place. Everybody got that out there? Excellent. Now let's play our game. Dig. Here is your first inning question. Which National League team was five games out on September 1st last season, but still ended up winning its division? Aha, no, I know this one, I think, because <laughs> I witnessed this. Yeah. That would be the Milwaukee Brewers, because um, the Cubs had a nice lead. They had a horrible September, and then the Brewers rattled off like it was something like eight in a row to close the year. Got the tiebreaker, I think, and then beat the Cubs, won the division, and then the Cubs lost in the wild card against the Rockies. So, yeah, that's my final answer. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> correct too. And the, we bring it up because the Brewers are doing that thing again, and that leads us into America's new favorite wild card game: Countdown to Oblivion. Oblivion. I thought I'd chime in there like a duo. Yeah, well, we, we'll have to rehearse that since we'll be playing this till the end of the year. Uh, you know, we've, we've been playing it for the last couple of weeks. I don't see any reason to stop now. Uh, you are going oh, yeah. to have to explain how you keep bringing teams back from the dead. But let's explain <laughs> how we play the game so people can play along at home. Uh, we take the fan grass projection, 
for how many wins it's going to take to make it into the wild card game in each league. Then we see how many games the teams in these races can afford to lose the rest of the season. And those numbers are shrinking, man. So, Doug, you know how this works. I will read the team. I'll read the number of games they can afford to lose. And then you will tell me the ultimate question. The answer to the ultimate question. Dead or alive? Um, but, Doug, uh, before we get started, I, I think you need to explain why it is that you seem to have the power to pronounce these teams dead one week and then resuscitate them a week later. Uh, that's due to my uh, vampire history uh, <laughs> related to Dracula. Really? I, can, yeah, I, could, I could bring people back and live, live for a long time in baseball context, of course. So, yeah, that's, you know, it's a simple explanation. You, Bram Stoker. You have a vampire history? Do I even need to know any more yeah, about this? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's only only in the baseball circles. Yes, got it. Yes. Well, you know, if I recall, like Count Dracula didn't let anybody live. He he sometimes let let the uh, beautiful women he had a crush on live. But I'm, I'm just not sure <laughs> well, this is exactly the right analogy. <laughs> well, it might be due to watching a lot of Sesame Street with my three year old and what's what uh, the name Count Van Count one peanut butter sandwich, <laughs> two peanut butter sandwich. Yeah. So you know, it's just part of my life these days. D- different count different well whatever anyway are, are you ready to play the countdown to oblivion game doug glanville i'm ready bring it on all right let's start with the national league fun league interesting league uh now the first week we did this fan graphs had the had the bar set at 89 wins to get into the national league wildcard game but last week thanks to the cubs it was down to 87 uh as we record this it's now at 88 so Let's start with the Arizona Diamondbacks. You brought them back from the dead once upon a time, but their their number is zero. Like they had kind of a <laughs> they had kind of a tough week. The, the only game they won, they got no singles, no doubles, no homers, no walks. They had one base runner on a triple. <laughs> that was, they somehow won that game on Saturday. That's the only game they won. So Doug, they're at zero. They have to go twelve and zero. Dead or alive? <laughs> oh, unfortunately, I have to declare them now dead. In my, uh, I'm using my my vampire specialty uh, elixir. Uh, but <laughs> it's hard. To, it's hard to go twelve and zero these days. Uh, pretty tricky there. Yeah. I, I mean, what a week they 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 went like one and seven. One and yeah, it was one like one six. and seven. It's one and six and. Out of the last, I think they lost the other game, but the week before, so not not exactly a way to get into the postseason, you know. So I'm gonna have to declare them uh, a state of zombie, and yeah. they are they're just walking walking dead. Yeah, they were dead, they were alive, now they're dead again. Right? That's just a recap. All right, let's let's go to the Phillies. Their number is now two, Doug, as in they have to go twelve and two. So are the Philadelphia Phillies. Dead or alive? Well, I know the Philly faithful have given me some heat about this, but I declared them dead. I think now three weeks in a row. Is it not? Uh, I have to. Right. I have to stick with it. They're just, you know, things are not going well, and uh, I don't. I don't have you know a, a cause of death. I, what did I call them last week? I, you know, <laughs> it was. It was maybe now it's like harperitis or something, but it's 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 not it's not working out. It's not working out that they have, you know. 
They have four series left, and three of them are on the same road trip to Atlanta, Cleveland, and a five-gamer in Washington. They can only afford to lose two more games. Uh, I don't like their odds of that. Uh, Tough schedule. The New York Mets, they are at two, as in they need to go 11-2. and So, Doug, the New York Mets, dead or alive. They are dead. Um, I think they're still dead. It's it's impressive the run that they've gone on to kind of get back in the mix. They uh, they're kind of a enigma when it comes to these streaks that they go on. But you know, bullpen still a lot of question marks, and it's it's kind of late at this point. The Cubs are <laughs> playing pretty well, <laughs> so uh, I don't yeah I, I don't see it happening. The Phillies and Mets are just sinking each other's ships right now. Yeah, four series left, can only afford to lose two games. It's not a lot of margin for error, but we need them to be alive. I'll, I'll explain this later. The Milwaukee Brewers, you had them dead at one point. Their number is five, as in eight and five. So the Brewers, Doug, dead or alive? Uh, apparently, I like funerals because I'm just also declaring them dead what uh i i'm gonna yeah I'm really? gonna, i want to be bold I, i'm gonna be bold <laughs> no. because i've you know I've, it's easy to throw out the boston red sox but the milwaukee brewers are a game behind right the, the cubs yes but i'm gonna call them dead i'm gonna call it david copperfield syndrome which is an <laughs> illusion to think you're in it but you're, you realize one day you wake up and you say wait a minute the the mvp is out for the year how are we going to do this and then it's all going to fall apart. Well, they can only afford to lose five games in four series. So that that is a tight window. But it's not that different from, like, the Cubs. We'll get to them in a second. Um, like, I agree that this is harder than they've made it look lately. I, another thing is, do they have enough pitching to get through these next two weeks? They've got to go to Cincinnati and Colorado. They can really beat up your staff, you know. So uh, I, 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 I'm going to veto this declaration of death uh, veto death <laughs> i am i am not i'm not removing all life support mechanisms for the brewers they are alive tough uh all right the, the grim the grim reaper is not happy grim reaper is not happy <laughs> see you're the grim reaper i'm the happy reaper that's the roles we play here uh then i better ask you about the cubs because the cubs they're only at six as in seven and six so the Chicago Cubs, dead or alive? Well, they're alive. They're, I mean, they're in the driver's seat uh, in that second wild card spot, and it could change overnight. <laughs> but I see them as a better team. They have, uh, I mean, Rizzo did go down, but Chris Bryant's playing well. Nico Horner's come up and done an excellent job replacing Baez. Um, you know, there's a lot of depth there that's starting to come. And then Kimbrel comes back and does half of what he could do. You know, they. They're getting a lot of acquisitions by people becoming healthy. They have a more favorable schedule than the Brewers. The Brewers have to do it, like you mentioned, on the road. Uh, so yeah, they're in the driver's seat. I, mean, I thought they would win the division this year. So, And that's still not a total impossibility, but uh, they're the best of the rest. So I'm going to stick to them being alive <laughs> and comfortably alive. Yeah, I, uh, all right, I agree that they should be alive. I agree with that. 
Um, they're the, I think they're the most well-rounded team among this group. Uh, they've got the most at stake, certainly, if you listen to the chatter going around that team. But they're only one game ahead of a team you just declared dead. So I don't understand your thinking yes. here. I just don't get it. The fine line between life and death. Fine line. Wow, that's deep. You got to draw it somewhere. Deep. We don't even need to do the Nationals, right? Um, uh, they, <laughs> no, they're, they're, they're very alive. Yeah, they, they can lose yeah. every series and still get in. So, all right, let's go to the American League. And I, I'm doing this just for fun. The Red Sox, uh, who I just saw over the weekend in Philly, they have not been mathematically eliminated yet. So let's, let's throw them out there. Um, the Fangrass projection for the American League is now at 95 wins to get in. So that leaves the Red Sox <laughs> at minus three. Three, Doug. Even if they win out, they would only get to 92. So I think I know how you'll answer, but the Boston Red Sox, dead or alive? Well, by your numbers, they're they're actually doubly dead. Um, they, uh, I mean, they could be alive in like a kind of, what is it, weekend at Bernie's kind of alive, like zombie, undead, you know, kind of Dungeons and Dragons kind of alive, but they're, they're long gone. They just... <laughs> fell apart, fired every you know, fired everybody. I don't know who they just fire everybody. They fired one guy. Well, fired. They fired one it's guy. A big which guy, is, you know, <laughs> big guy at yeah. the in the heart of September. That's a bold statement. Yeah, I think that like they 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 know their they know what's where this is leading, but they have not been declared dead. They've not been mathematically eliminated. Uh, you know, Alex, I, I can't remember which. One which Red Sox player that Alex Cora said this about yesterday, but he said that if we were in if we were in the race, he'd be playing. That was kind of an admission that you're on onto something here. So we'll I'll, I'll agree with that one. What about the Indians though, Doug? The Indians' number is four. They have to go eight and four to get to ninety five wins. So the Cleveland Indians, dead or alive. I'm going to keep them alive. I see. I, I think they're in it. I mean, there's definitely a huge gap between them and then Boston, right? So it's three teams, the A's, the Rays, and the Indians. And they're, what, a game and a half out of the second wild card spot. So they have to play well, but the other teams also have to play well to keep pace. So I, I think because it's a three-team horse race, I declare them alive <laughs> and kicking. All right. So the Brewers actually can afford yes. more losses than the Indians. They're dead, but the Indians are alive. They're dead. He, yes. Brewers dead with at five. Yes. Indians alive yes. at four. He, he, That's right. He, you, you're as you like, I don't know if you're the guy I would want in this grim reaper role. Now that I'm actually <laughs> watching you do your thing. Well, death is not mathematical. So wow. that sums it up. You, got, you, you can't throw saber metrics on this one. There've been some really it's a feel. Yeah, there have been some really heavy statements made by you in this segment. <laughs> so if the Indians are alive, then obviously the Rays, who are at five, six and five, they're alive. And the A's are at seven, five and seven, they're alive. That's correct? Yeah, and two of those three teams are getting in. So I feel I feel good that I'm two out of three correct. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, Yeah. Doug, here is your second inning question. Which team played in tiebreaker games in both 2008 and 
2009 to decide who won its division. I think you're testing me here if I was paying attention last week because I, I want to say I answered this uh, if I have the right year. I'll say Pittsburgh Pirates. No, that's not right. <laughs> not that was a totally different question. That was a oh, that was a question about wildcard games. This is about tiebreaker games. But yeah. I, but either way, you're wrong. You've got it wrong. The answer is the Minnesota Twins. Uh, Ooh, they lost to one. the lost to the White Sox in Game 163 in 2008. Then they beat the Tigers the next year. And if you remember, a really crazy epic game. So the Twins are the answer. And Doug, do you know why we asked that question? I'll tell you why. Because, yeah. because we always root for tiebreaker games. We always root for not just chaos, max chaos. <laughs> we root for four-team ties and five-team ties, and they never happen. Uh, judging by your pronouncements in that last segment, uh, you're not making me real optimistic about the possibility of even three-team ties, but uh, you know, I'm going to ignore all that, and I'm going to tell you why we need these to happen chaos doug we need more <laughs> chaos am i right yeah i feel bad for like the traveling secretary of these teams that has to figure out how to get players and <laughs> they're buying tickets and canceling tickets yeah. and hotels and i mean it is a nightmare it's a nightmare when it actually works out let alone having like a three-team tie so i mean yes right. complete chaos all right now, um here's the three-team tie that I am rooting for the hardest. <laughs> it would be Cubs, Brewers, and Mets for the last National League wildcard spot. I know you declared the Mets dead, but we need the Mets to be alive and do this. Here's why. Because if, I, if I'm calculating this right, the Brewers could play in all four time zones in the same week. That's why. <laughs> all right, you want to know how this would happen? I'll tell you how. Uh, the Brewers, like when they do the the formula for these three-team tiebreakers, the Brewers have the best record against the other two teams. So they would get to choose how they want to work this. Two games at home, but they would have to win both, or one game on the road. I'm sure they'd pick the one game, right? So then that would mean the Cubs would host the Mets the day after the season, and this would be the Brewers' situation. They'd finish the season, play game 162 in Colorado. What time zone is that in, Doug? This is in the mountain time zone. You are right, sir. And now they wouldn't even know where they'd be playing the next game. So I'm sure they'd fly home, uh, and that would put them in the central time zone the next day. Then they would await further developments. Uh, the National League wildcard game is supposed to be Tuesday, but that would not happen. Uh, the... Brewers would wait for the Cubs and Mets to play off, and then they would have to play the next day in either New York or Chicago, whoever won. Uh, so if it were Chicago, what time zone would that be, Doug? That is central. <laughs> <laughs> right. You see where we're going with this, right? So then <laughs> oh if God. they won, they would play the wildcard game the next day in Washington. What time zone is Washington in? <laughs> They're in the Eastern. <laughs> yes. You're three for three. And uh, if rolling. and if the Brewers won that game, where would the next game be? That would be Thursday in LA. What time zone <laughs> is LA in, Doug? 
That is the Pacific. <laughs> right. I hope I'm getting credit for the. I hope I'm getting credit for these <laughs> trivia questions right here. That's four in a row. <laughs> Zuri, are we giving Doug any credit for these? We're not. We? Uh, we'll, we'll tabulate <laughs> at the end of the show. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, he's the Grim Reaper. I'm the Grim Reaper on this. Not well. They don't go to Canada though. We, we're, we're we're certain they don't go to Canada or Mexico or something. Yeah. There's no no international play. That would be difficult. Because uh, all right, yeah, Blue is pretty bad. Yeah. Right? Just to recap, they go Mountain Time Zone Sunday, Central Time Zone Tuesday, Eastern Time Zone Wednesday, Pacific Time Zone Thursday. It can happen, Doug. We just need you, Count Dougula, to bring the Mets back from the dead. Are you willing to do that for us? Uh, well, I would absolutely be willing to do that for this entertainment value. Yes, the, the baseball needs some spice. And <laughs> just following, just having like a travel log with the Milwaukee Brewers would be enough. Like it would be must-see TV. Seriously, we we need this to happen. Uh, all right, let, let's do a quick look at the potential for Max Chaos in the American League. Uh, we're looking at a potential three-team tie for two spots. So that gives, you, gives us a whole different deal. Uh, that actually would not produce the most chaos. Here's th- This was our best scenario. The A's finished the season in Seattle. So let's say they finished behind Tampa Bay, but we're t- they're tied with Cleveland for the second wild card. They would then have to play in Seattle on Sunday. Then they would yeah. host Cleveland in-, in Oakland on Monday for the tiebreaker game. They won <laughs> that one. They would have to play the wild card game in Tampa Bay on Wednesday. Then they would have to head for New York or Houston for the division series, depending who winds up as the first seed. We don't know the answer to that yet. But we do know that is four games in like six days, five days, whatever it is. And in in, in the middle of it, there would be a journey from Seattle to Tampa, which is not that conveniently located. Doug, aren't you rooting for that? Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for like a, I'm rooting for a neutral site in like San Juan or something like that to just no. like because they, you remember the Mariners? I think they played the Expos in in San Juan. Yeah. I mean, total nightmare. Yeah, and then the. Uh, uh, I mean, my, well, my favorite part would be the one holdback coach that doesn't really use his phone for for his for his alarm and actually sets his watch or some old school clock. And the confusion trying to go from all these time zones, I mean, that would be like how many players would miss the bus in that case? Like, I mean, it'd just be like, oh, I missed the bus. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But we have to go old school. No, no iPhones. Yeah. No, like things like that automatically <laughs> sets the time zone. Yeah. Uh, well, we, we, like even the even the clock in the room. Uh, I mean, it might be like oh. 11 minutes off, but it'd be in the right time zone. So, uh, anyway, we, we're rooting for this. Here's my question for you as a for, former long-time Major League player. Have you ever gotten mixed up in one of these? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's no question when I, in 2003, I was traded from Texas to the Cubs. And I think the Cubs were like 500 when I got there. They might have been one over. And it was a three-team race. The Cardinals, Astros, and us were all battling it out. And I just remember towards the end, I remember the Astros the Brewers went to Houston and we needed them to win. And we had a five game series against the Cardinals and, and we were all in it. This is September. So, uh, so you spend a lot of time like learning all these scenarios. And as a player towards the end, 
you're thinking, okay, I got, you know, my mom, my girlfriend wants to get to the game, my wife, all these things. And you're trying to figure out how to get the tickets and do you pre-buy them? And if you don't actually end up going to that city, do you sell the tickets? And <laughs> so it's a total, it's like a madhouse uh, because you're trying to anticipate and, you know, you get the tickets and they're only allowed a certain amount as a player. And I remember ordering, having like these cards back then, it was more cards of tickets, like physical tickets I ordered uh, just to try to be ready for a possible world. Like at that time, the Cubs, you know, we lost game seven in the NLCS and thought I was going to possibly play the Yankees or the Red Sox in the World Series. So, so you're as a player, you're working ahead, planning for your family travel, in addition to just your sanity of trying to figure out where you're going and who your opponent will be. So it, it is, it, it is unrivaled chaos. Now add a three-way tie and time zones and all that. <laughs> and, and I mean, we're going to have a show for like, we, we need to like have a special edition Starkville just to like have fun with that whole thing. Cause it would be absolute chaos. Yeah. Now you just painted a picture where you want us to sympathize with players trying to get to the right place and figure out where they're going and get their <laughs> tickets. But if we're rooting for chaos, how can we sympathize? Those two things don't jibe. Yeah, and I'm not a player anymore, so no, actually, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, here's your third inning question. Which two hitters rank first and second in the major leagues this season? in all of these categories, on-base percentage, slugging, and OPS. Uh, well, this is like MVP Central. So Mike Trout and Christian Yelich. Got to be. Yeah, you're right about that. Good good work. And um, All right, all right. It was, it, wasn't, it was a little tricky to work them into the same trivia answer, but we did it, and we need to do it because we need, at this, at this juncture of this podcast, to have a brief moment of silence please for the two best hitters in baseball Mike Trout and Christian Yelich because they're both hurt both done for the year and that stinks so let's do like two seconds of podcast silence time's up all right now we're back we are back now here is the question can these guys still win the MVP even if they miss the last three weeks of the season because they lose the narrative factor, right? Now, the sense I got from the Twitterverse over the weekend was Mike Trout should win because he is Mike Trout, and anybody who doesn't vote for him, even now as a Neanderthal, who still thinks batting average and RBIs are the most important stats in the universe, or whatever they think. Um, the Twitterverse not quite that sure about Yelich because the National League's a little tighter, uh, Yelich and Cody Bellinger, even Anthony Rendon, are so close. So I, I, I think we should take these one at a time. Uh, American League, Trout leads the league in like everything. Uh, wins above replacement, on base, slugging, OPS, homers, walks, adjusted OPS plus, uh, WRC plus, win probability added, all that fun stuff. Uh Alex Bregman is kind of close, right? He's only eight-tenths of a win behind in the baseball reference calculations. And I remind you, that's like a virtual tie. Um, Wins above replacement calculations are not the same as anything else, batting average or homers or anything. It's just this is uh, a projection. It's it's an 
estimate. So if it's less than a run, that wins above replacement is a virtual tie. And Alex Bregman is doing what he's doing on a team, the Astros, that could wind up with the best record in baseball. Uh, the Angels haven't been within five games of any playoff spot since, if I calculated this right, I think it's July 29th. So what do you think, Doug? Can Alex Bregman still pass Mike Trout, or is this debate over? Well, Mike, it's part of that value question, right? I mean, look, Mike Trout is the best player on the planet and uh, and generation possibly in history when all is said and done. So, you know, it's hard when you talk about, okay, the best player, most valuable player, his name is always in the conversation, but he's been plagued consistently by not being on a competitive team. Uh, and and just like that reality of a guy like Alex Bregman makes it difficult because Bregman's playing in these high leverage, significant games. And and it, by the way, he's also playing. Trout is not at this point. So I, that one is close. I think Bregman, you know, he, if he has some historic last two weeks of the season, maybe you, 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 you probably have to revisit. You certainly have to consider it. But it's it's tough with Trout because when you go into the granular level, he is still leading in all these categories. Um, and it even wins above replacement. He has enough of a lead like where maybe they end up equal. And then you'll still weigh yourself towards Trout because of, of just like, just on a pure numbers game. But Bregman, you know, is, you know, he's a, he's a tremendous player and, and he, what a year. I mean, he has, he has 109 walks this season uh, and like only 70 something. I think I'm getting this right. 78 straight. He doesn't strike he out has that more much walks for this. Yes. For this era, that's you know he's he's really gone to this next level over 400 OP, OBP. So in short, yeah, you have to I, you have to see this one through, and so I don't say I wouldn't say it's completely sewn up by any stretch. I think Bregman has a shot certainly. You know, if this were 1999 or 1979 or certainly like 1939, uh, Alex Bregman would win. Uh, if you look at some of these. Uh, Early MVP votes in the prehistoric, pre-data era, uh, you know, the first criteria was who had a great year for the team that won. Uh, yep. We it, we seem like we've moved beyond that, but if we really have moved beyond it, how come Mike Trout hasn't won the MVP every year? Uh, right. So I, I, I do think voters have evolved. We'll find out how much they've evolved. I'm going to agree with you. I don't think this is quite over, but it's going to take something extraordinary for Mike Trout not to win. Now, what about Christian Yelich, right? This is a little different deal. Um, uh, You know, it's not quite as clear cut. He leads. uh, Christian Yelich is first in fan graphs, wins above replacement, but Cody Bellinger is first in baseball reference wins above replacement. No matter what you're looking at, Yelich has clearly been the better offensive player. Uh, leads the league in on base and slugging and OPS, uh, all the stuff that we that we just talked about. Adjusted OPS, uh, weighted runs created plus, win probability added. To make the case for Cody Bellinger, you'd have to base that case on defensive metrics. Uh, he's clearly been an impact defender. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but those defensive metrics are what has elevated him above Yelich in the baseball reference wins above replacement calculations. And, you know, like I, I'm a big 
believer in using all the information, but the defensive metrics are the least precise metrics in sports. So is that enough? What do you think, Doug? Um, Like I can tell you how close they are in any offensive category you care about, but what do you think about Christian Yelich as the MVP in this scenario? It's it's much closer than the Trout discussion. I mean, he, I, I think, you know, you could only speculate, but Jelich finishing like he did last season, for example, uh, there was a time last year, I was like, oh, Javi Baez and Christian Jelic is kind of close. And then I looked at the end, it's like, it really wasn't actually close. <laughs> I mean, he took off the second half and then, you know, finished incredibly strong. He doesn't have that luxury now. And it, it was already close. And I, I and I don't want to throw away Anthony Rendon. I mean, Definitely. leading in RBIs, leading in batting average, leading in doubles. Um, on obviously a team that started off slow and has really turned it around. He's been a centerpiece of that. Uh, even Marte in, in Arizona, just, uh, you know, they're kind of fading. But there's, there's enough players that have enough... Uh, influence in categories like Marte is winning in, in total bases and hits, for example. So, um, so I, I don't think it's it's sewn up for Yelich, and it will also depend more so on how these guys fare. They'd have to fall off the planet like Bellinger and Rendon. Uh, but you know, Yelich, it's it's way closer, and it won't help his case if the Brewers rattle off like ten in a row and get in the postseason with him on the on the D, on the IL. So <laughs> I, I can't I, you know that that's a it could be close. So yeah, good luck, voters. I don't have a vote, <laughs> but that one is going to be tough. Yeah, I do have a vote. Uh, so yes, it's, it's good tricky. luck. Yeah, and you know, I got asked about this on uh, MLB Network the other day, and I, I put it this way. Christian Yelich has the numbers, but now he can't have the narrative. And narrative matters. Uh, yeah. You know, really mattered last year. He's like he was probably going to win anyway. But do you know, in the last week of the season, Christian Yelich accumulated more wins above replacement in one week than Bryce Harper did the whole season. <laughs> like that's that's crazy. <laughs> that's so that I mean that happens, and the voters. Pay attention to how this, how these teams finish, how these players finish. Um, you, you know, when we kicked this around before we did this, you also asked me if uh, if there's a history that we should consider, and so I did that research too. Um, Christian Yelich finished with an 1100 OPS, so uh, he he's had one of the great years of any reigning MVP ever. Uh, he's had a better year than he had last year when he won. And if I'm calculating this right, since World War II, we've had 149 players win the MVP. Only three of them had an 1,100 OPS the next year and didn't win again. Uh, Albert Pujols, the year he lost to Ryan Howard. Jason Giambi, the year he lost to Ichiro, 2001. And then I believe it was 1946, Ted Williams lost to Joe DiMaggio. Um because it was incredible the numbers that Ted Williams had and did, did win. So anyway, it's it it's going to be a fascinating last couple of weeks for many reasons, but the MVP discussion is one of those reasons. All right, Doug, time. Yeah, I, okay. yeah. Go ahead. No, and I would just say, like the the as you said, the evolution of the data defining value and what is valued has has changed. Um, you know, and I and that is. 
like you said, central to the narrative value. What does that mean? And and we continue to grapple with it, just like pitchers and wins in the Cy Young conversation. It's starting to to shift. And I appreciate that defense is considered. The metrics are young. It's still it's an infancy, but it should be a consideration as I think base running in every other facet. So uh, I'm hopeful that this will continue to develop, and I'm sure it will as we assess value as a more of a complete player, which uh, which is great for the game when guys can do so many different things and show value. No doubt. Okay, Doug, it's time for that moment you've been waiting for, our social oh, yeah. media question, which allows our favorite listeners to be part of this podcast and achieve their 15 seconds of fame or whatever this is. Uh, we'll tell you how you can do this <laughs> in a minute. But uh, just to explain, now the idea of the question is you're submitting a question that Mayor Zuri, the evil mayor of Starkville, decides will definitely stump me and Doug, but will also provide a fun topic that we can kick around. So here is this week's question. It comes from a Twitter account that calls itself at baseball bedtime. And it's unclear exactly what the thinking is behind that name. It says it's the name of a podcast that's going to start next July. So I have no idea. Some You guys can explain it to me. But anyway, we're using your question. Here we go. This is your fourth inning question, the social media question. How many players ever have played in at least one major league baseball game and at least one NFL football game. And Doug, uh, I'm going to react to that by saying, yikes. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, Dion did it. Bo Jackson did it. Jim Thorpe might have done it back in the day. I, like We have to name a number. I, I'm going to say nine, just because it's a baseball-y kind of number. What do you got? Oh, my goodness. Um I mean, yeah. When did the NFL exactly start and all that? You know, it's. Uh, I mean, how how deep are we going here? You know, AFL and. Um, well, yeah. I mean, 20s. Bo Jackson, twenty. So, boy, yeah. that's not good. So, Bo Jackson. <laughs> I'm not going to name all these. Please. Brian Jordan, right. uh, Deion Sanders. Okay, that's like my era. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's that's what this question uh, should have been. It's evil. Yeah, that that would that would help me. I don't know if there was someone I'm missing. Was it the guy from the Yankees, Michigan? What was his name? The, uh, the quarterback. Um, uh, yeah, quarterback Drew Drew Henson. Drew. Drew Henson. Yeah. Did he Henson? Did he never play the big leagues? Did he? Did he do that? Okay. Yeah, I like so. I thought he might have had some. Uh wow. Yeah. So all right, I'm gonna just throw a number. I'm gonna say you said 20s. Goes back to the 20s. Yeah. Oh boy, I'll just say 15. Right, let's get the mayor in here. <laughs> What's the answer, Mayor? Well, first off, hopefully we get a crossover episode with baseball bedtime <laughs> next year when, yeah. <laughs> when their podcast gets off the air but, or on the air. Um, the answer is 68. So I'm sorry, Paul. <laughs> I'm sorry for how um, uh, frustrating this question is. But yeah, most recently by Drew Henson, who played oh, uh, for the Yankees in 2002 and 2003. Oh, he did make and, it. Okay, um, yeah, I thought I thought he might have yep. made it somewhere. Okay, good, good. And nine nine career plate appearances uh, those two years, and then he played in the NFL in 2004 and 2008. Well, I you know I thought there was some guy like you know some football player that became a pinch runner. You know, at first I thought Ronaldo Nehemiah, but he he was he did track in football. Yeah. 
but the, I thought the A's had somebody that, that they brought in that like pinch ran. So, I mean, but I mean, I thought there was like three or four others, but not like 60, you know, <laughs> 60. <laughs> yeah, we're going to need to peruse this list. I, you know, that's that is one of the most evil questions we've ever been asked. <laughs> so baseball bedtime. We've given you your, your 15 seconds of fame, but you're going to have to be nice like, to us in the future if you want yeah, another like question. It's like baseball nightmare. You're yes! not going to give that to me at, at, at nighttime. That's like a nightmare. Traumatize the kids out there trying to figure <laughs> that one out. I know. All right, we need to talk about something related to this question. So, Doug, how about this? Which current baseball player would you love to see play one game in the NFL? I'm going to give you first crack at this. Oh, I'd love to see Mike Trout. I mean, you know, you know, first of all, he's like built like a football player and it's just the speed at that size. And I mean, he'd be a great linebacker. He'd also be a good like fullback or something, you know, do like, so yeah, Trout would be great. Trout. Okay. I, I am going with the big man, Aaron Judge, <laughs> six <laughs> foot seven, 282 pounds worth of tight end. Now, like I tried to find a tight end who weighed 6'7", 282. Uh, I, I couldn't do it. But, you know, Gronk was close. He was 6'6", 268. So that means Aaron Judge taller and bigger than Gronk. <laughs> I, like, Gronk is like a friggin' movie villain type character you know he like he if he if he showed up in in game of thrones scaring the hell out of everybody you'd say yeah that's about right he's smaller yeah. than Aaron judge <clears throat> I, I i would not mind dropping back and trying to hit Aaron judge for a two-point conversion he that's a target yeah right that's fun <laughs> that's a lot of fun yeah good concept <laughs> all right next week this question could come from you out there all you have to do is submit a trivia question, either via Twitter or email, and then Mayor Zuri will pick one. We'll get it wrong, then we'll rinse and repeat the next week. Uh, to submit it via email, the address is Starkville, S-T-A-R-K-V-I-L-L-E, at theathletic.com. Or you can send in these questions on Twitter. I am at Jason S-T, that's J-A-Y-S-O-N-S-T. Doug, how would they find you? Pretty easy. At Doug Glanville, D-O-U-G, another G, L-A-N-B-I-L-L-E, kind of like the town with Ville. Yep. And that's it. Twitter. Yep. yep. Then you, you just hashtag those questions. Hashtag Starkville QS. And yep. that's going to do it for Starkville for some of you. But if you're an athletic subscriber, you can keep listening over at the athletic app or the website. And if you would like to be an athletic subscriber, and of course, why wouldn't you? Uh, go find, yeah. right? Go find the link you first clicked on to find us here, and it'll get you 40% off a one year subscription to the athletic. So, for those of you leaving us, thanks for listening. We will see you next week on Starkville. Hey there, we've got some really exciting news. Uh, our team at The Athletic has gotten together with the amazing folks at Wondery to launch a brand new daily sports podcast called The Lead that's going to take you places you haven't gone before. Uh, the Lead's the first daily sports news podcast that will take you every day behind the scenes and give you the story behind the biggest stories in sports. 
uh, our team, more than 400 sports writers and editors here at The Athletic, will be joining the brilliant co-hosts of the lead, Kavitha Davidson and Anders Kelto, to delve deeply into the stories behind the headlines. I know I'm a part of one of these upcoming shows, so I can vouch for the fact you have never, ever heard a sports podcast like this. You're about to hear a preview of The Lead, so you can subscribe to The Lead on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now so you don't miss an episode. There's also a link in the episode notes that will take you there. So be sure to check out theathletic.com slash the lead to read the stories that we talk about on the podcast. And now, stay tuned for a preview of The Lead. You can follow sports through sound bites or the full story. From up in the press box or down on the sidelines. What do you want to accomplish this year? Actually, I want to accomplish getting on this team first. This fall, a new daily podcast brings you closer to the sports stories that matter. Stories about players. A guy like Zion just represents that hope of the failures of the past don't matter because we've got this guy now. That's the buzzer. Stories about hometowns. You will see hundreds of people wearing number 32 Simpson jerseys uh, in the stands on Sunday afternoons for a Bills home game. And stories about the teams you love. This was the first chance for all those baseball fans to see their guys. From The Athletic, home to the best storytelling in sports. And Wondery, the company behind Sports Wars and Gladiator. I'm Kavitha Davidson. And I'm Anders Kelto. Introducing The Lead. Go beyond the box score five days a week. This isn't a story where you go to some place and interview the athlete and go home. It stays with you. Are you kidding me? I have never seen anything like that. The lead premieres September 16th on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. The lead. Sports up close. Hey, hey, I need some more of that. <laughs> 